we have to continue to grow and be in this together because we are the light to our students. We're the inspiration. So if we can stay curious, we can continue to learn not only about our content area, but also about what our students are going through. We can begin to understand ourselves and get a, we can be a better guide to those that are entrusted to our care. Welcome to the Society's Child Podcast, where we have real conversations about being a trauma-responsive educator in the midst of a significant mental health crisis. Hi, I'm Trish Senzak, a former educator, compassion advocate, and Jesus lover, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Are you feeling confuzzled about your students' behavior and needs? You're not alone. If trauma-informed strategies leave you wondering, what's next? Don't worry. My friend, I've been there too. As a foster mom and a child of complex trauma mixed with my experience as a teacher, it's led me to finding a compassionate, whole child approach that's evidence-based, practical, and transformational, and I'm so eager to share it with you. Whether you want to connect with your students on a deeper level, create a trauma-sensitive environment, or you just need a little bit of encouragement or support, you're in the right place. So grab a drink, a pen, or your earbuds, and let's work together to create a safe and student-attuned trauma-responsive school culture. Society's children need you, so let's get started. Hey, educator family. I'm excited to be here with you today to talk about why we need to embrace the trauma-informed movement. This is something near and dear to my heart because when I was younger, as a child of abandonment and rejection and all kinds of abuse going on, I had lots and lots of feelings of uncertainty, of not knowing anyone, of having a secret life, living in shame because I didn't know at the time that what my normal was, but I knew there was something going on in me. I had voices in my head. I had a hard time focusing and my life seemed out of control. Looking back on it now, I think it was more about the worry for my mom, a worry about whether we eat, a worry about um, anyone finding out about my secrets, and those kinds of things just haunted me. So I really want to embrace this with you as educators to really think about why we need this trauma-informed movement. And so I'm asking you to not just go to these meetings, get a bunch of information and put it in your folder and then put it in the filing cabinet or put it on your desk and let it grow dust. I really want to ask you to embrace this and implement this and assimilate this and figure out to the core of your being why this is important. And here are some reasons why I think we need to pay attention to this. Number one, we expect kids every day to come to school with their brains turned on and ready to learn. We want them to walk into our rooms and immediately begin being attentive, emotionally ready to put up with things going on in the room with the other kids, physically be rested and nourished and ready to take the test or take the quiz or read. We want them to socially be ready to interact with others. We want them to tap into the curiosity and the interest of what's going on in the room. We want them to be prepared for the test or be prepared to learn, be self-regulated and motivated to want to know what's going on in the room. Not to mention all the different learning styles sitting in front of us, we're asking each one of them to adapt to our particular learning style. Now, if that's not big enough by itself for a neurotypical child, a child who has gone through trauma is currently living in crazy chaotic situations 
is going through things that are overwhelming, that are poking in at their self-esteem, that are making their world rock upside down. There is not room in their heads to do all of that and check their baggage at the door. It is part of their human essence of how they're showing up. I want you to remember, we expect kids to come in with all that and be ready, and we forget that there are kids, and even us, who might be going through things at home that can really rock our world and cause us to be in a place of not being able to learn. The second reason I want you to consider this is the ACEs. If you've not heard of the Adverse Childhood Experiences study that was done, I really want you to go back and research it because the results of that study is kind of what put all this in motion. So if you've had any trauma-informed movement training at all, I think you've got a grasp on this. But I want you to know that this significant portion of the population has experienced at least one of these adverse childhood experiences. The original study found that nearly two-thirds of participants reported at least one of the ACEs, and more than five that were reporting back that they studied had three or more ACEs. Now, my personal score, and I was a teacher, is an eight with everything that I've been through. Research and international studies are showing us that the impact of childhood trauma is global. It's something that we need to be concerned about internationally, across generations, and if we don't stop it, the impact is only going to magnify. And so I want to stop here for a second and tell you that I think we're doing a great job as, a, as an education system. I have seen videos, I have talked to educators, and our kids are beginning to think in terms of physiological responses, acceptance about their anxiety. In fact, I was just having a conversation with a college student the other day, and it was very cool to me to really hear about her conversation with her roommate about her own situation and her own things that she was going through and the challenges and the conversations between them and what they were saying to each other as far as how to get through this moment and all the triggers and things that she was dealing with. That to me is fascinating and I think we're doing a great job because our kids now are starting to have a natural lingo and so I believe that if we're aware of these ACEs and we're aware of the support, we're aware of these things, we're giving our kids a natural language. And I think since it's in all classes, all races, all kinds, and this is having an impact on our health, and we're in the middle of a mental health crisis, I do have to say that I can see some hope in all that you're doing out there and all that's happening. But I think we can do more. Research is showing that there's an impact of this trauma on our mental health, on our ability to focus, our physiological responses, our ability to learn, our ways that we behave, our ways that we respond to things, and the ways that we um, react. So it is important that we take this research and this information and we understand we have lives too. We have past lives. Perhaps we've been through some of this. When I walked into the classroom, I had just been introduced to my healing journey, and I think I had been in therapy maybe a year or two. Didn't even know the impact that my life at this point had played into what I was going to do and what I was bringing to the classroom and what I was speaking into the little lives that I had in front of me. We also have things going on in our current lives. Our students have things going on in our current lives. The news and the media and things that are happening in the world impact us. And we're bringing all of this, we're bringing ourselves, every ounce of us into the classroom. 
the reactions and the responses that we have with our students are based on some of these past things, current things that we're currently going through. So it is important that we realize we must embrace this trauma-informed movement. So what can you do? Well, the way I look at it is hurt people hurt people and healthy people help people heal. If we as educators can recognize in our students, in ourselves, and with what's going on in the world, where trauma is showing up and how it is presenting itself to us in our students and on our campuses, I think we can then have a way to bridge the gap and be able to recognize these signs. So that's the thing that we need to do is realize that this is a Yes, it's a trauma-informed movement, but I believe that this is something that's impacting all humans. Whether we're being impacted by it, we are um, in the fact that trauma is in our classrooms and therefore the kids are doing things to us, or whether we have been traumatized and we are impacting our kids, or whether trauma happens out in the world and we are impacted by the, the fallout of that, it is a human-informed movement that I believe we need to be on. Now, I'm not minimizing those of us who've been through trauma. I'm, I'm myself, I have to say, this is something that I believe has changed my life for the better. And that's why I am so passionate about getting this word out. It is so important. But I do believe that it, this is something that we as all humans globally can make a difference in if we will just do a, our own little part to embrace this trauma-informed movement and not just be trauma-informed, but we will be trauma-responsive in our own lives, in our classrooms, in our families, and everywhere. Now, how do we recognize the signs? This is the other thing that I would recommend that we all do is we just become ultra-aware and ultra-sensitive to what's going on. We might need to look at um, sudden extreme changes in behavior, kids that are withdrawn, aggressive, compliant, overly compliant. I was one of those kids that was a straight A student. I did everything I could to make sure I was doing what the leaders told me to do. And now in hindsight, I'm realizing that a lot of my need to be perfect and my need to follow the rules was so that I wouldn't make somebody mad, that I would keep the control in my life because that was the only place that I had any control. And so those behavioral changes, sometimes we don't know if our perfect students have things going on. We have to step, step up the game a little bit to connect a little bit more. What about these academic challenges? Kids with frequent mood swings or emotional outbursts, difficulty managing emotions. Sometimes the kids are not taught that, but sometimes they're ticking time bombs, waiting for the wrong person to say something to them that sets them off. What about the kids that are withdrawn? from their peers and they don't have any willingness to participate in group activities and they're sitting in social isolation, absenteeism or tardiness. You've got kids with chronic situations in your classrooms and a lot of this is really, it's indicative of difficulties going on at home. Something is not quite in the realm of, I can't say that it might not be right because sometimes there's extenuating circumstances, but most of the time it's as a result of something traumatic happening at home. Maybe they have physical health complaints. A lot of times physiologically, kids in trauma will manifest these physical sensations, headaches and stomach aches, and they don't have any apparent cause. And sometimes it's medically related and sometimes these kids are going through something medical and the parents just don't know what to do about it. Or sometimes it's anxiety driven or sometimes it's 
driven because of something that the child is worrying about. And it's a somatic thing going on in their body. Maybe they're not sleeping and they've had changes in their sleep patterns and they've got insomnia or they have excessive sleep patterns. Maybe they're easily startled or they're having heightened sense of alertness and they're afraid of some, someone's around them and they jerk back to a sudden movement. Or maybe they appear lethargic and disconnected. And sometimes our students can just be in, in their own little daydream world and we wonder where they are. Maybe they've regressed or they're doing some thumb sucking when they did it before or some bedwetting or some potty, tra potty training. I know one of our little foster kids, you know, at one point had some uh, bathroom issues appear at a certain stage of, of his life. And it was, it was important to understand that these were signs for something else going on. And although it wasn't a traumatic situation in that moment, there were other thoughts going on in the child's head that brought on some of these things. So getting to the bottom of this is super important. Sometimes we might notice things like avoiding certain topics, avoiding discussions or avoiding activities that are related that might seem like a normal situation to me or you. But for some reason, so for example, another one was always difficult for me being in a children's home and in a school um, when they would do activities where we talked about our biological family, I didn't want to do those because it set me apart. It made me feel different from everybody else in the room. That can be a trauma for a child because then it brings on another level of um, not being able to trust someone to understand where I'm, what my life is like, or it might cause it often would cause me to have emotional shutdown because I didn't know how to be in that situation and I didn't know how to show up. And I would cry easily over that. And I would have a hard time trusting that someone understood me. Um, maybe there was an extreme need for um, a way to gain control in a chaotic environment and kids are screaming or their um, behaviors are, are really ones that can be of concern when it comes to extremities one way or the other. Maybe they have a difficult time transitioning, or maybe you've noticed some self-harming behaviors or aggression or defiance. Maybe someone is giving bully, bully tendencies and they're also someone else that's receiving that bully. So you've kind of got two situations, a kid traumatized by the bully and the kid that might be traumatized, therefore having that increased aggression or increased defiance as a way to assert control over other students. Maybe there's a child who has an excessive absorption with a fantasy world or going off and escaping into a particular world, daydreaming to the point where it's really hindering what's going on in the classroom. And maybe there's a child that's just unable to express how they're feeling, has difficulty articulating emotions and experiences. No matter what the sign is, I mean, there's, I've just listed probably 50 things that we could be looking for. But these are not it. There's a whole bunch. And it's important for us to become so aware of what's going on. And I know this is like one more thing that teachers have to be thinking about, but it's so important that we really work on this. So in order to think about what we can do, and I'm just going to kind of go across a couple things that we can do from here besides being aware of the signs. The next thing that we can do is we can work on connecting with these kids and getting to understand them in ways. And it doesn't mean that it has to be personal. It could be through discussions or co-regulating with them. If you're not sure what these terms mean, we'll be doing, I'll be doing some episodes on them later. I'd also encourage you to work on creating a sense of felt safety in your room. So I've given you a lot of things to think about here. And so I wanna give you a teachable tidbit to walk away with as something to help you start to explore. And if you don't already know this, that's okay. But I would like to invite you into this a little bit deeper so that it can be something more personalized for you. 
And so I'm going to ask you to consider going and finding out what is your ACE score. It may be difficult to look at, but I believe in our hearts this is a place we can start because it affects how you show up, it affects how you respond to kids, your quick reaction or no reaction, your awareness. How do you receive all this trauma-informed information? I believe it has a lot to do with where we are on that. Maybe you are very humble, open, and teachable when it comes to trauma-informed stuff. Perhaps there's a bit of resistance. Maybe there's an, a state of obliviousness with you that isn't something that you're welcoming it because it's just not on your radar. Are you curious about the trauma-informed movement? Are you resistant in the sense of pushing it away? And do you, put, do you have a big pushback? Or are you the opposite and you're an ambassador for all this? I believe that knowing our A score and knowing where we are on this can give a glimpse. You can go out there and take any test that you want. There's basically the same 10 questions, but there's also some that have taken it a little bit further, but it's basically 10 questions. Know your score and know whether this is something that you have an awareness on or whether you're not. Where are you on that scale? And then the next thing after you get your A score, ask yourself to rate yourself between 1 and 10. One, I have very little awareness or very little intention. Let's put it as intention around this. And then number 10, I'm super on fire about this. Where do you fall in the middle? Because I truly believe that knowing that score and having this sense of awareness about it, it brings us to all together. Sometimes it helps us approach this in a different manner. So are you familiar with this? Are you familiar with your score? Are you familiar with how this is affecting you? I know this is asking you to dig deep, and I know this is asking you to think about something that's sometimes a little challenging, but I think it's important for us to be aware for ourselves so that we can also be aware for our kids. Remember, education is not just about what you teach. It's about how you learn and grow along the way. And your A score, is it's, it's a powerful tool of self-reflection. And it guides you to understand how you can show up in the world of education. And it also helps you embrace this hot mindset, which I like to say is humble, open, and teachable. Do you find yourself resisting? And if you do, just remember, we're all on this journey together. And I encourage you, to turn down the volume on whatever it is that's telling you that this is not a good thing. Because we as educators, we have to continue to grow and be in this together because we are the light to our students. We're the inspiration. So if we can stay curious, we can continue to learn not only about our content area, but also about what our students are going through. We can begin to understand ourselves and get a, we can be a better guide to those that are entrusted to our care. We have to keep that flame of curiosity burning and really make education an ongoing adventure for everyone because we're in this together. So if you find this helpful, I wanna encourage you to join my Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash society's child and go over there and I'll leave that in the show notes as well. We're gathering together just to create a group of people who wanna learn, embrace, cheer each other on, encourage each other, learn new things, implement this stuff and really assimilate it so that whether you're new to this or whether this is your jam, everyone is welcome over there. So I hope I'll see you in the group. Until next time, my friend, 
Stay Teach-tastic. Hey, amazing educators. Thanks for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave a review. Even better, share this episode with a colleague. And hey, I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can even join my Facebook group for some extra support and a dash of inspiration. I've left all the links in the show notes. Until next time, my friend, remember, you're not alone on this journey. You've got this. Keep making a difference and stay teach-tastic.